and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, July 6, 2020. We have Tristan H. Cockroft, winner of Myriad Fantasy Leagues, expert singer and dancer, plus top researcher and producer Kyle Soppy. I am merely Eric Carabell. Somebody had to host. And we are again joined by ESPN senior writer Dave Schoenfield as basically a bunch of guys who are friends discuss a potential baseball season. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Yay! Hello! Dave, how Hello, you doing? guys. Vaughn Hayes, let's just say it. Get it out of the way. <laughs> you know what? I'm no more a Vaughn Hayes fan than you are an Alvin Davis fan. So, like, they're, and he's a Don Mattingly. So All of us all first- three left-handed first basemen. I love it. So why is that? Why are we so inclined to, like, love these left-handed first basemen? All of <laughs> different, different success levels. Left-handed swings are beautiful. That's all. That's all. Mine's not so beautiful. (laughs) Alan Davis was like the first good player the Mariners ever had, rookie of the year, Mr. Mariner, all that. (laughs) Donnie Baseball had the hair that I'm sporting right now. I just got to get the mustache going. Was Don Mattingly ever traded for five players? No. Oh, good point. (laughs) Did Alvin Davis play for another team other than Seattle? Uh, One year with the Angels, I believe. Maybe two years. I mean, Von Hayes was once traded for Ruben Amaro. All right. Nice. We're just wasting time now. Let's discuss lots of lots of weekend news in baseball, and not all of it is positive, of course. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to get to Tristan's trivia question, and I believe we have some hash browns a little bit later on. Also, the schedule is supposed to be released later today uh, amidst many players tweeting things that uh, maybe they don't want to schedule, but that's a different issue altogether. But, all right, I'll ask you this, gentlemen. Um, We think we know the parameters of the schedule, but could anything surprise you in the schedule release tonight? That would affect fantasy baseball, I guess, would be my point. Dave, you're first. Uh, No, we know it's going to be 40 games within the division, uh, 10 games against each each team, and then 20 games against your corresponding geographical division, so East versus East and so on. Um, I just think the schedule is – it, it is more important this year than other years. You know, uh, I think it helps. We've talked about this. <laughs> Pitchers on the Indians, hitters on the Twins, you know, are going to feast on some of the weaklings in the AL Central. And the NL Central, I think, is mediocre. Um, I would downgrade Phillies players. They're going to have a tough schedule with their NL East teams, and then they got to play the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays and the Blue Jays. So I think it's a small factor. Tristan, let's talk about the schedule for fantasy purposes here. Is there anything that could happen in the schedule release that would affect your rankings? Probably not the rankings because the rankings are accounted for the 60-game schedule, but it is going to influence planning and strategy for a day-to-day basis. Uh, I want to see how it is. You know, you know, I'm in my element when we're talking about schedules. This is a big day. I can't, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. How rhythmic is it versus how haphazard is it? Are there going to be doubleheaders at all? I'm thinking no. How are the off days going to be scattered? Are there going to be those common weeks where you get two games on Tuesday and Wednesday and then three during the weekend? Or are we going to see a lot of two-game series stacking up the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then leading into the weekend? So how it influences five, six, seven, and maybe even eight-day schedules will be a big thing. I always, You, you know I'm a big fan of, you know, of, of those schedules because of the forecaster. So I'll have those with projections and everything throughout the season. But that's what I'm looking for. How much travel is involved? 
if there are two game series is on Monday and Tuesday, and then as well as Wednesday and Thursday, and then the weekend, is there going to be a lot of travel or are they going to try to minimize the travel? So all little things that wrinkle the, the daily planning. All right, moving on now to talk about some of the players and what happened this past weekend. I'll try to update the opt-out list best I can. And we've decided to take a tone on this show to say, look, if a player wants to opt out, good for them. We're going to talk about the fantasy repercussions of it. We're not blind to the bigger picture here that there's a major virus going on in this country and around the world and what it means, and nobody wants to get it. But we are going to talk about fantasy aspects here. So please don't confuse what we're discussing as being flippant. We're not trying to be that. Uh, David Price is the only player, Tristan, that I can think of who would probably have been drafted in every fantasy league who so far has opted out. Ryan Zimmerman, Joe and Tyson Ross, Wellington Castillo. Um, Dave, I'll start with you on David Price. What are the Dodger repercussions here, um, potential replacements, and what it means to the team? And then we'll get to Tristan on the fantasy side. Yeah, obviously it opens up a hole in their rotation. They have several candidates. I, I would assume Tristan would move up a Dustin May or a Tony Gonsolin. You know, maybe it's Alex Wood. Um, maybe they go with a six-man rotation and all those guys end up starting. Um, but to me, the big winner there is probably Dustin May, who I think is going to be in that rotation now and a, a really good-looking young pitcher. And Tristan, I would agree with Dave there. I mean, Gonsolin and May, we're just kind of guessing on which one. It could be both of them. They, they can afford to go to a six-man rotation. We're also hearing that, like, the Reds, for example, maybe to take advantage of Trevor Bauer's rubber arm might go to a four-man rotation. So uh, it's all just guessing right now what teams are going to do here with piggybacking and size of the rotations, but the Dodgers do seem to have more depth than most teams. Yeah, and the Reds thing with Trevor Bauer was uh, curious to me because, remember, they were one of the teams in March who were considering going with a six-man rotation where they would throw uh, Tyler Maley in there. So throwing Bauer every fourth day is kind of interesting to me. I don't know how they're going to do that. They might go with a six-man modified rotation. Dodgers, you're right. I, I do think it's Dustin May who gets the, be the best individual bump, but I've said it many times that the Dodgers have a lot of multi-inning guys. So this kind of increases the workload across the pitching staff. I think Ross Stripling could be an interesting guy. He was quoted over the weekend saying he th thinks he'll be up to six innings by opening day. So Ross Stripling alone could be the one who is the big benefactor there. But Gonsolin, as you mentioned, I think this also helps strengthen Julio Urias' chances at meeting his innings cap, which won't happen this season. I think it's a very good thing for a lot of those young Dodgers. And by the way, Trevor Bauer is a pending free agent. Dave, do you think that that might have something to do with it, that the Reds just don't care about his arm for 2021? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not trying to be, again, flipping yeah. here, but, like, it's with a running back in football. They could, they could use him all they want that year because he's someone else's problem next year. Could the Reds be thinking that with Bauer? I uh... – I don't think that's the case. I think this is Bauer probably going to them. And maybe it's every fourth day early in the year when he might only pitch, you know, three, four innings early on. And he'll be like, hey, I only need three days of rest, you know. And then a month into the year, maybe they go to that traditional five-man rotation, you know. But to Tristan's point, there's a lot of different ways for teams to play this early on. I, th I think we will see a lot of the piggybacking, but – um, Trevor Bauer, he, look, he, if he's going four innings, he's not going to get the win anyways. I don't know if that changes its value or not. Uh, maybe it does a little. Well, I argued last week with you that it should be innings pitch instead of wins if you can change your league. Uh, but Tristan, I also moved down all my starting pitchers in the top 100 
I don't have it. I think my first starting pitcher now is Garrett Cole, number 19, because I don't want to take a starting pitcher in round one who for the first three weeks might not get a single win or be eligible for a single win. I'm guessing you think that's uh, exaggerated on my part, but what are your thoughts on moving pitchers down? Not necessarily. I think that for the majority of pitchers, I would fade them where I can. I probably wouldn't so uh, to such an extreme amount as you are with Garrett Cole. I do think he's going to be close to a full workload by the beginning of the year. And the other thing too, we talked about this before that I think two weeks into the season, we could see these pitchers up to their typical workloads. So the aces are the ones that I'm going to still want to lean on. I do think there's a value in a, a premium ace. I think it's going to expand the, the difference between say the number 10 starting pitcher and the number 25 starting pitcher. And then from there I would aim to fade and just kind of take some values. All right. So, um, you know, by the time you listen to this show, everyone, there might be more players that are opting out. There have been some discussions on Monday morning on Twitter, and we'll just kind of leave it at that. And if there are more opt outs, we will talk about them on Thursday. As for players who do have the virus, and some of this is just guesswork, but if the season starts in less than three weeks, it could be that some of these players are not ready for opening day. And if that is the case from a pure fantasy baseball aspect, it would obviously affect whether we want to draft Freddie Freeman, Aaron Nola, and it might be different for pitchers as opposed to hitters. A Phillies pitcher named Cole Irvin um, told the media yesterday that it would be much worse for a pitcher to get the virus because then he, if he sits out for two weeks, he has to get his arm going again, whereas a hitter could just kind of like fall out of bed, be healthy, and hit the baseball. Dave, is there a big difference here, you think, between a pitcher and a hitter getting the virus and what it means for how much time they might miss? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, the Phillies, we, we're still waiting on uh, the update on Aaron Nola and why he's not in camp yet. There hasn't been an official reason. Um, they can't. Yeah, he missed two starts out of what, maybe 12 is a max? Yeah. You know, so that's one-sixth of your season as opposed to, you know, a few get. I get look, I guess you don't know how long any of these guys could be out. That's the problem. Um, Freddie it could Freeman, be different for you know, everybody. Friday, That's the other thing. Like, fever, now right, he's like, like, okay. You and I could could recover from the virus differently. Yeah. Yet alone, the athletes that are in pristine condition. Um, but, like, it's not just the virus. I mean, like, Zach Wheeler's wife is having a baby later this month. He's probably missing two starts. That's, like, what, 18% of his season, Tristan. So, like, I, I don't want to be mean when I'm moving players down in my rankings, but – how can I draft Freddie Freeman in round two if I suspect he might miss the first couple of weeks of the season? I can't do that. Again, we understand this is a very big deal, this virus and pandemic, so we're not being flippant here. But Freddie Freeman, like, if he's not playing the first three weeks, then I don't want to draft him ahead of Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, there's no way of knowing how quickly this is going to improve or progress for individual people. And it's a personal decision that each player makes. So we're going to hear some things in terms of decisions players are making. And in Wheeler's case, what concerns me is until you've done it, you have no idea what it's like to become a parent. I mean, that might influence his personal decision. He has hinted at the fact that he might opt out after that point. So maybe he comes through and gives you a start at the beginning of the year and then decides, you know, it's not worth it. It's, it's going to be something players face, and it's just something that's going to be a risk in the fantasy season, and, you know, we just deal with it. I, the Phillies the Phillies are the one team that seem to have, you know, several examples of players who've tested positive, and we don't know what that's going to mean. I agree with you guys that, yeah, it's going to influence pitchers a lot more than it is hitters, and I would probably fade them, but Freeman, we don't know when he's coming back. I don't I mean, know. You could make a whole lineup right now of players that have the virus, uh, DJ LeMahieu, Miguel Sano. 
Luis Arias, Will Smith, Atlanta's closer, maybe his closer. Um, anyway, we hope they all get better soon, and maybe they'll be better by the end of the week, or maybe it'll be in early August. We just don't know yet. Well, let's take time now to get to trivia's, uh, trivia, Tristan's trivia question, and then we'll get back to actual news. I hear a dog barking. Uh, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Dave. I, I your dog has something to say, and I want to hear what. Can you translate what your dog is trying to tell us, Dave? Well, our nephew is up here visiting, so I think uh, he is just awakening from <laughs> slumber, and the dogs are uh, not happy. I have a dog translator for you, and you know what that dog said? Trivia, trivia that none of you will know. <laughs> All right. So we're on the the topic of players who did opt out. And with David Price and Felix Hernandez opting out of the 2020 season this past weekend, only seven of the nine active pitchers to have won an American League Cy Young Award remain active, uh, remain members of any team's 60 man player pool. So American League Cy Young on their resume and they are members of a team's 60-man player pool. Can you name all seven of these individuals? Probably well, not. <laughs> that shouldn't be that hard. You got Verlander. <laughs> 2011 and 2019. You got Granky. Blake Snell. Granky. Nice job. 2009. Uh, Dave, who, who did you just name? Blake Snell. Blake Snell was 2018. You're three out of seven. Rick Porcello. Nice yes. done. 2016. Ah, Kyle would be proud. He is How did proud. he win a Cy Young? It's <laughs> terrible. Year. It's that, terrible. Was, that was the infamous Justin Verlander year with a certain tweet that was hilarious. That's right. That was good, Kate Upton. I think the dog just barked Corey Kluber's name. Corey Kluber won in 2014 and 2017. Uh-oh. Nicely done. You have two <laughs> remaining. My door is shut. I apologize. <laughs> don't. Don't apologize. There could be a baby somewhere. My lawn gets – my next door neighbor's lawn gets mowed at the exact same time when we're doing the show every Thursday. It happens. <laughs> Another American League Cy Young Award. Um, two more American League Cy Young Award winners. They are members of 60-man player pools around the majors. Two of them. I'll give you the years if you'd like them. Uh, I mean, you don't have to go there yet. I mean, Keiko won a Cy Young, didn't he? Dallas Keiko won oh, it yeah. in 2015. Where is one remaining? Uh, I'm a little surprised you haven't gotten this one. A little bit. Who won last year? Verlander <laughs> oh, won last year. Oh, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, nicely done, 2013. I so, saw yeah. trivia. If Scherzer finishes in the top... What Tim Kirkjian had this in the top five of the Cy Young voting this year, he'd be the first pitcher to do that eight years in a row. Wow. I mean, his peak is one of the greatest of all time. All right, let's talk about some other stuff that happened on the field or off this weekend in baseball. Masahiro Tanaka threw a pitch to John Carlos Stanton and it came back at him a lot harder. Uh, hit him in the head. He has a concussion. Um, it was scary to watch because John Carlos Stanton hits baseballs really, really hard. And Tanaka is a, you know, not only is a human, he's a draftable human in fantasy baseball as well. Tristan, we'll start with you, the Yankees fan. When you saw this, obviously you're hoping that he's healthy, but what do you think could be a potential draft moving repercussion here on either man? I mean, Stanton obviously is hitting fine. Yeah. I mean, it was a scary moment there and I'm, 
I'm glad that at least the prognosis was much better than I feared at the time. Um, I, I think this ties a little bit back to our previous point about pitchers missing time during this summer camp, as they're calling it. Uh, if he is delayed by a week or so, I do think that's going to influence his ability to pitch at a high level in the first couple of weeks of the season. So it does provide opportunities for some of the others. I think the Yankees probably would lean a little bit more on the openers. So they're going to have uh, some of the middle relievers pitching a little bit longer. So Chad Green, yay. Um, Jordan Montgomery, little boost for him. He was a guy I think was probably looking at a rotation spot at the back end in the first place, but you know he might have a, a, sh- a better shot at the beginning of the year too. Um, you both know that I wanted Clark Schmidt in our simulation league and I didn't get him, but because I, I had to have Nick Anderson, of course, and he's getting lit up. But the point here is Clark Schmidt could be in their rotation. He's their top pitching prospect, but he's not on their 40-man roster. So, Dave, I want to get your thoughts here. We talked about prospects last week and the likelihood they'll be in the majors this year, but this is a prospect who's not on the 40-man, and apparently the Yankees don't have much room here. So... The Yankees can win the World Series. So, I mean, it's interesting how they're going to do things, especially if Tanaka has an injury list in. So, that's a, no, it's a really good point. I know you mentioned this, brought this up in your column last week, that there are issues here. Just because a player is on the 60-man potential roster, well, there can still be 40-man roster issues. Wander Franco is another guy who fits into this category the Rays have a loaded 40-man roster. So if you promote Franco, you got to take somebody off that. Same with Clark Schmidt. So don't necessarily assume, and this is what you wrote, Eric, just because a guy's on the 60-man that he's going to appear in the majors this year. It just gives them the option to do that. Um, so, yeah, teams with deep 40-man rosters have to deal with the same, you know, roster dilemma they would in a normal season. By the way, what was the, the number of days uh, – that, it, that count for service time was interesting to me. It's a week. It, yeah, yeah. If you're in the minors for uh, a week, then, yeah, you buy the extra year of service time. So I actually do think we might see more 40-man roster promotions, which influences Schmidt. In the Yankees' case, the problem is David Garcia is on the 40-man. Michael King is also on the 40-man. They do have options they might try to go to first, but I do think we are going to see. I think we'll see Schmidt this year. Is Schmidt somebody we can put at the same level as Nate Pearson, Spencer Howard, who might be the Phillies opening day starter now, Mackenzie Gore, would you say Clark Schmidt is at that level or not even close? I'd say he's in the ballpark. I don't think he's their equal. I mean, Pearson throws so incredibly hard, and we go for the high velocity because of strikeouts. Um, I, I'd put Pearson a little ahead, but it's not like we're talking, you know, 25-plus starting pitching spots in a ranking set. All right, um, so we talked about that. So the Mets uh, manager basically said that he might have a closer committee here, which I don't know why it surprises us so much, but I feel like we all assumed that Edwin Diaz would just be the closer and be good at it after having such a terrible season. But he was so good his last year with Seattle, Dave. So what Edwin Diaz do you think we'll see this season? And do you think the Mets really will go to a closer committee? I guess, like, could Seth Lugo lead this team in saves? Look, I would I would assume Diaz has the job to start the season. So it's up to him to keep it. The trouble is, and this is true with all closers, managers are not going to have patience to let them work through a couple blown saves early in the year. So if Diaz blows two saves in the first week, he's out. He's not going to be the closer. But he's also a guy that runs hot and cold 
if he gets hot and gets in that groove and his confidence stays up, he'll keep the job. I would, I would, if you ask me which way it goes, I would bet on him keeping it. And then it ends up not being closer by committee, but that's just a prediction. Tristan, should we move Edwin Diaz out of our top 10 closers? Nope. As a matter of fact, thank you Mets for helping me get a little bit cheaper shares of Edwin Diaz because the way this bullpen is constructed, if you're going, you know, you mentioned Lugo. Lugo is a guy who they should be maximizing for more than one inning. Yeah. And if they're going to lock him into a closer role, they're going to decrease his effect, his, uh, his value to the team. I think they are going to go with Diaz. I think this is just a lot of smoke. And you're right, Dave. There is the risk that if he if Diaz pitches horribly in the beginning of the year that he does lose the job. But I'm going to go with him being the closer on opening day, and I'm getting my shares. Moving on, let's talk about the Washington Nationals because, and this has not really been reported all that much, but if I wrote a column today, probably be led by Carter Keyboom, who the Nationals intend to make their starting third baseman. He is a prospect who came up last year and barely hit 100, but I would say that's uh, irrelevant. I mean, we know what he did in the minor leagues, and the Nationals have a DH now, so as Drupal Cabrera, that's probably his best position. So, Dave, any thoughts on Carter Keyboom here and – we see all the time prospects come up, they fail for a month, and then the next year they're great. Yeah, I'm probably low man on him, but you know he hit well enough at AAA, but everybody hit in AAA last year. Pretty good contact skills. I'm not sure the power is quite ready to manifest itself at the MLB level this year. Great long-term prospect, but you know I don't think he's going to be a star right out of the gate. Tristan, is Carter Keyboom draftable in an ESPN standard league? Yes, uh, in that I think it will benefit managers to take upside guys with their final picks, but that's what I'm looking at for him. I don't think he's a player who's a must-pick. I think that if at your corner infield spot you need upside on the roster, that is the direction in which I'm going. And I think he's a very good prospect. I think there's a good chance that the second try through, he's going to be very good. When he went back down to the minors, he did hit over a month's period after that in AAA, good sign for his development. And I think he is going to get a clear path to third base. By the way, Eric, I've I got to throw Harry Kendrick at you for the DH. I'm, I'm very much all in on the Howie Kendrick uh, thoughts, thanks to the DH and the NL. I think they might platoon like Cabrera and Kendrick. I mean, actually, what they could do is they could platoon Kendrick at first base yep. with Eric Thames because Ryan Zimmerman, a lefty killer, is not going to play. Um, so they could do that. And then Cabrera is a switch hitter, right? So he could, you know, play against anybody. Um, but yes, that's a possibility. I, I just like the fact that Keyboom is getting a chance. And Dave's right. We're not talking about a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs and he doesn't steal a lot of bases. But like, if you're going to, if you're in a deeper league and you're thinking of like using your last pick on Mike Calfranco, why wouldn't you use it on Carter Keyboom? Like, you know what? I, I would take a chance on somebody like that and see what he does. That's Bingo. Yep. Um, okay. We talked about that. Uh, what else do we need to discuss? Uh, anything positive here? Is there any other news here that we didn't get to? Or then we'll just go right to hash browns. I, I didn't see any other news here that had to be dealt with. I'd, I'd I mean, like to bring up another another one of the uh, opt-out situations that influences the positions is the Rockies with Ian Desmond. I, you might have gotten this Friday, though. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Ian Desmond's another guy who opted out, and um, he should have been on my list here. I... I don't know what it means. I mean, like, I guess Sam Hilliard, but like, I think Brendan Rogers, the infielder now has basically, he has more upside than Carter Kibu. And nobody's really thinking about Brendan Rogers because he, he got called up and he failed to hit. 
That's ridiculous. Like, I, I say this all the time. If Brendan Rodgers had never been called up, we'd be viewing him like a top prospect, like Joe Adele. But because he came up and didn't hit for a month, we forget about him. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So very similar stories between these two players. And the reason, as you say, that he's got the higher upside is Coors Field. And rightfully so. He might well figure into the second base role if McMahon moves over to first base and that Daniel Murphy gets bumped to DH, which, by the way, they should be DHing Daniel Murphy every single day now without Ed Desmond on that roster. I'd also argue, though, that Garrett Hampson, just based on Garrett Hampson being on the roster, they might go with some degree of timeshare between him and Rodgers at second base. Maybe Hampson gets bumped out into the outfield when Rodgers is in the lineup. Are you implying that Daniel Murphy is not a good defensive player, Tristan? Because that those are British; those are fighting words, man. <laughs> I think it would keep him healthier too. That's the other thing. Uh, that's that's a point. Yeah, I think Hampson's interesting. I really liked him heading into last year. He got a chance to play. He tanked. You know, could he end up in center field? Do they play David Dahl there? Uh, maybe Hampson moves back and forth. He can steal some bases. Um, as bad as he was last year, I'm not giving up on him. I actually think he might out hit Brendan Rogers this year. I'm not Brendan Rogers hit in the California league and he hit at Colorado Springs. He didn't hit all that well at other levels, you know, granted he's at Coors field. He's got to come back from the injury. Um, I think Hampson might be a good late round pick there. I think Daniel Murphy and Charlie Blackman should have a gold glove contest and see who's the worst <laughs> defensive player there. <laughs> and we'll, we'll bring Pat Burrell and Greg Luzinski and Raul Banyas out of retirement, you know, and see how they do as well. <laughs> I don't care if that's mean. Do what you want with it. Let's bring in Tyler Chatwood now and get some hash browns in here. Uh, hello, Kyle. What's up? Hello, fellas. And Tristan, you weren't here the other day, but with Jose Quintana out, Oh, yeah. Tyler Chatwood has locked himself into the rotation. Just wondering how high up his <laughs> rankings and if he will make the next Cy Young trivia we get next week. Oh, man. Porcello <laughs> <laughs> was on this version. So, yeah, uh, that, was, that was just for you, Kyle. I, you I owe me one. That one. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, we, we laugh about Chatwood so much, but there will be those NL only and those 15 team leagues where you got to look at him, wait, just because, you know, Let's not forget where we were when he signed with the Cubs. What yeah. was he being ranked like a top, top 50, top 60 starter? Yeah, I heard Rick Porcello was coming off a Cy Young season. A lot changes quickly. Oh, I know. But but as a late-round pick in those leagues. Chadwood or Porcello? You have to make the pick right now. Porcello. <laughs> we're going to do this again all season. Yeah, and I would too. And Dave, what would you do? Chadwood or Porcello? Chadwood. Yes. Oh. Dave's going to be a regular. Eric, you guys can join his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be true. <laughs> uh, does anybody have any hash browns that they yeah, like we'll to answer? The, we'll get to the actual questions instead of the producer just asking questions. JK is on board with you guys pausing Dynasty play for the season, but he wants to know what you should do about transactions that took place during the off season. The commissioner wants to reverse any ad drops, but keep the trades. Ugh. That is such a slippery slope. <laughs> I don't want to reverse anything, but I do. I sent an email to one of my league commissioners saying, if I trade for a draft pick today and there's no draft in two weeks, that's a problem. Because, I mean, do you just automatically make that next season's draft picks or what? So I, this is getting crazier and crazier. I 
I don't like going back on any trades. The trade happened. A, a pandemic happened. I'm not. I'm not reversing history. Dave, do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can reverse reverse history. If you've made a trade, you've made a trade. Tristan, you run twelve leagues. What were, what are you doing? Uh, and and this is a difficult call as a commissioner in two leagues where these decisions have to be made. I'm challenging you both on. I don't think you can roll any of it back. I think I once you start doing it, it's the slippery slope. What what's the problem with doing ad drops during a uh, uh, pausing dynasty play? I I don't see why we couldn't just do that throughout this offseason into next. I'll point out what Tal Wars did. Eric, you know you're in it too. Tal Wars is not redrafting. They're going to keep the draft results when we knew that this was coming up, that that spring training might be paused. We're going to keep our original draft results with the one wrinkle that you're allowed to release players and reclaim their fab for the first bidding period, which I I think that's a a decent compromise based on the little amount of time we have left. I don't like it. You're changing a rule. What? Uh, Okay. And and would your take be that we should redraft or is your take that we should play it out? Look, I don't even know who I have. And by the time they start playing, half my team could have opted out. It's bad luck. You can't do anything with this season that is going to be fair because it's all unfair. And as I'm looking at my Twitter, Nick Markakis just opted out. This is not going to end anytime soon. So that influences the backups for Freeman and the DH. Absolutely. And and I'm telling you, by the time people listen to this show, there's going to be 10 more people that opt out. Now, I might have all 10 of them on that Tal or Labor team. No, I don't want to redraft. I don't want to change any rules because to me, the season has started for fantasy purposes. I, and I, I it's agree bad with luck you, if you have a player who opts out or has a, his wife has a baby or he gets injured. It's just you can't take seriously what's going to happen this season. I, that's how I feel. I, I am with you there. And I, by the way, have Marcakis and Zimmerman on my Tal Wars team. So I'm, I'm trying to take the, the, fair and balanced approach to this whole thing. But I've got the decision in my keeper league where I have people who want us to roll everything back except for the trades. I don't know how we can pick and choose this. The only thing I think you can do is come up with some sort of small accommodation to people who are stuck with a player who's not going to play, allow them some swap in. That's the only thing I would change. Otherwise stick with what you got. Why allow anything? That was actually the next question. Greg wants to know, or not Greg, they wanted to know if there was any, Anything you can add, do you give them extra fab for somebody that dropped out? Do you give them no. something, or is it just tough luck? It's tough luck. And I say that as a guy who's going to be affected just as much as anyone else. This all sucks. But I don't want to – I don't know who's next. I don't know who's next to the opt-out, and I don't know who's next to get the virus. And I don't want to guess at either. So I don't want to redraft. I don't want to change the rules. I just want to have fun playing out this 60-game season the best I can and if that means that Clark Schmidt is my number two starting pitcher in a league, there's not much I can do about that. That's why if you're in a dynasty league and you want to you want to freeze your players so they don't accumulate salary and or years, like we have a sim league like that, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Just have a draft just for 2020 purposes with your buddies and enjoy that 60-game abbreviated season, but it doesn't affect any of your dynasty players. That is what I think you should do in a dynasty league. That's fair. Terry's planning on going bats for the first five rounds of his NL only draft that's coming up. He wants to know who you like is the pitchers after that point in an NL, that middle tier kind of guy. Well, first of all, never go into a draft saying my first five picks are anything. All they are are the best player available. 
if Jake DeGrom is available in round five, come on. Are you really going to take, you know, Nick Senzel? Of course you're not. So, I, I mean, and that shouldn't happen. So go into a draft open-minded. You want to lean heavier on the hitters and the pitchers? Fine. But don't just arbitrarily pick the first five rounds or the first eight rounds I'm going to do this. Take the best player available. If pitchers really fall that far, then you're going to have to start. If Luis Castillo is available in round five, then only you're taking Luis Castillo. Is that right? I mean, Tristan, you agree with that? I mean. Yeah, I, I don't like locking into any one strategy. Take the value where it lies. I do like th- this goes back, Eric, to your point about trying to fade pitchers. If you're roughly planning to do this, you're looking at players like Mike Soroka, Max Freed, Denelson Lamette. Uh, Madison Bumgarner falls into this group in my rankings here as well. Kyle Hendricks falls in there. Zach Gallon's an interesting name. I think you can get by with that. I think this is going to be a very good year to attempt to mix and match, piece together your pitching staff. Dave, I know you like Zach Gallon. Um, <laughs> hey, I got a question related to this. How do you value you, Darvish, Tristan? I just saw he added a new pitch. He's up to 11 different pitches now. But he had a great second half last year, was a strike-throwing machine. The strikeout-to-walk ratio was incredible. But it's you, Darvish. He's not been Mr. Consistency the past few years. Where do you rank him? Yeah, I, I don't personally care about that pitch. I think it's interesting and just curious <laughs> to read about. But I, I think he was a great pitcher with a, a very deep selection of pitches in the first place. And by the way, Dave – Hugh Darvish is one of my favorite starts for this year. 13 second half starts. He had seven total walks. That's the same number he had in his March 30th start by itself. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you care about that pitch? Isn't that an actionable change? It's, it's a hybrid two seam fastball splitter. I mean, that's a ground ball inducing pitch. It doesn't incre- increase the strikeouts. I think that's, that's just, something- it can increase effectiveness. And, and also I, I've heard this on both sides. So are some people, Dave had the story about the first 60 games, who would it be MVPs? Are, are we looking at this 60-game season as the first 60 or the last 60? Because I can make a case for either one. That's true. So, I should have done the last 60-game MVPs. That man, man, that's a good point. Yep. Like, everyone's assuming, oh, they're coming out of spring, summer training. It's the first 60 games. But I'm also thinking, well, it's kind of the last 60 games. And I, I don't, I don't want to guess – who is going to be hot or not? Because I have no idea what that what shape they're in. So, right, Dave? So, yeah, I mean, you know, and I know a lot of people are going to try to look into who's a fast starter, who's a slow starter. But you know, April weather isn't the same as July and August weather. I almost think you just have to throw everything out. Alex Bregman, for example, his career April OPS is much lower than every other month. Does that mean you move him down thinking he's going to start slow? But he was the best hitter in the American League the last two months last year. He killed it in in August and September. So maybe he's a great finisher. You almost have to just ignore all that that stuff, I think, this year. Yeah, the the other, by the way, he was was in a controlled environment when he put up those numbers. So you can't even make the weather case. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, well, it's hot out here. That's for sure. And I'm sure it's hot in Texas, Florida, and California, a little too hot. All right. What's next? You guys have mentioned moving starting pitchers down in your ranks. Matt's curious if the upper tier of closers become more attractive and thus vaulting up your ranks. I actually did move Josh Hader up a little bit, Tristan, but I did not move Kirby Yates up. And the reason why Josh Hader can get more than three outs 
Kirby Yates does not get more than three outs. Plus, there's no way San Diego uses Yates as a as a, a guy who gets more than three outs because they have all these great setup men. But Milwaukee, I mean, but the thing about Hader is Corey Knable's back. So that doesn't, doesn't uh, I don't want to imply that Josh Hader gets a million saves either. They could use Knable in that role or somebody else, a right-hander, like he wanted, like a council wanted to a few years ago. So I didn't really move up closers. I moved up Hader a little bit, but I also moved up Yusmera Petit three rounds because now I think he, I think Yusmera Petit has a chance to win as many games as Garrett Cole. That's crazy. <laughs> no, it's not. That's How's that crazy? Well, because normally that'd be crazy, but this season, like Drew Pomerantz, people are asking me on Twitter, name the middle relievers I want. And the ones that jump out to me are Petit and Drew Pomerantz. But Seth Lugo jumps out as well. Um, We need an effective multi-inning reliever who doesn't necessarily get saves. Who else? Who else fits that, Tristan? I mean, like, that's important right now. All those Dodgers we just mentioned a minute ago. And I think anybody who has the likelihood of pitching those fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh innings is going to get a bump this year because I think there's going to be a volume advantage granted to guys like Hayter. You know, if the Brewers took him out of the closer role, we'd lose the saves, granted. But he might be maximized to middle innings, eat up wins, get eight to ten victories, just be being by being put in games in premium situations. And that might actually bolster his fantasy value. I don't think there's any benefit to saves in the short season, but I do think that the closers and the multi-inning relievers are going to get a bit of a bump, and I think a noticeable one. I mean, I, I, if you want to name some middle relievers here that won't get saves but could, could get wins, like Anthony Bass or Ryan Helsley or... Helsley could close. How about Helsley Hel- Kansas? Bruce Star greater all of the Dodgers, I think, is going to have a key role. Um, there's so many. James Karinchak, that Cleveland rookie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a multi-inning guy, and he's going to matter. How about Matt Barnes? Absolutely. Major strikeout guy. Set up man yeah, for one of my Brendan McKay, the, the Rays have six good starters. Brendan McKay could end up as a, a long guy, middle guy in the bullpen. Uh-huh. The Rays, Dave, I think you th- – Dave, you like the Rays, don't you? Don't you think the Rays could win the World Series this year? (laughs) In fact, Eric, you bring that up. I have a piece coming out tomorrow picking the Rays to win the World Series. All right. Down with the Yankees and the Dodgers. Oh, but come on. The Yankees are being given 38 and a half wins already. Come on, Dave. Why Why the hate? Well, look. I don't know. Where, I don't know where you have Tyler Glasnow on your rankings, but he doesn't have to get through thirty starts now. He only has to get through twelve, and that's about what he did last year. He had a one seven six ERA back in March. He was working on a new splitter. I mean, if he can, you know, make that a, a, a effective third pitch, watch out. Um, you know, I love Nick Anderson as their closer. Um, Colin Pashi is Josh Hader. Yeah, really good bullpen. You know, Diego Castillo, you know, they, they got the arms. They Look, to me, they have it both ways. You know, they have the depth if you need depth. But they also have that the big front three with, with Morton, uh, Glasnow, and Blake Snell. If those guys make 12 starts each, you know, that's 60% of your starts. Those three guys only made 42% of their starts last year. Dave, so. why is Nick Anderson getting shelled in my sim league? Can you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> because if I remember playing off last year's stats, he had a wide split. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it I is. I don't know why I play. You, 
You we do might have not, eaten and get shelled. You're in fifth place. Come on, come on. You do not do well with guys who have wide splits. I've no, I don't know why it is. It's just you, you have bad luck with those guys for some inexplicable reason. I already know who I'm going to lose to. All right, Kyle. What else? You get eighteen to one on your money if the Rays win it all, Dave. So not bad That's advice. Good. There. One? God, do you guys know any? Uh, you got any connections, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Last question here comes from Greg. He wants to know if there's any contrarian styles you think might be worthwhile in redraft this year, whether it's going ace heavy, no starters at all, punting a category, you name it. Well, punting stolen bases and saves makes sense to me the most every year. Um, and I think it definitely makes sense this year. Like, who's going to want to steal bases? I, 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 I have a feeling, like, not just because of the shortened season, but because of what's happening, like – Certainly, obviously, Malik Smith has to steal bases. That's that's what he does. But why would Christian Yelich want to steal bases? He has to stay healthy. He's so important to the team. There's a virus going on. I I, I don't want to overthink things, but I the dogs are barking. I think Trout, like guys like Trout and Yelich, may not want. Oh, the, the whole show is a farce now. I've I don't been know. banned forever from the fantasy podcast. <laughs> That's your phone. That's the dog calling. My Dave's left to go answer the phone. Just oh, answer the no. question. <laughs> you know what? If I had enough leagues that I could oh, really? try to, No, I, I don't. Look, it's not a lot of time before opening day. It's not, you know, by the time we got this announcement, there weren't the same number of days. If I had enough leagues, I think I would try the punt starting pitching strategy. Wow. I would. I would go with all multi-inning relievers, high K per nine guys, the hater types. I would lead only on those players and 100% stream my starters. I, I like that. And in fact, I'm, I actually did that in the league and I didn't think it was that crazy where like I have a couple like Madison Bumgarner might be my, my number one starter. But like I think Spencer Howard and Mackenzie Gore will play major roles, not in the first week. Obviously, you have to manipulate their time. But after that, like – if Spencer Howard did not have this issue <laughs> with his contract, he'd be the opening day starter. They're not going to have Nola or Wheeler. Jake Arrieta is going to give up eight runs to the Marlins on opening day for the Phillies. Okay. Um, any final thoughts, gentlemen? I, I, I Contrarian ways, yes. But just join a points league and have fun and don't worry about the money and don't worry about the salaries in your league You know, a, a going up. Just try to do something a little bit different for this year only. And, and hopefully in 2021, we get a full 162 game season because you know they're not playing baseball in 2022. That's not happening. Oh boy, Eric, come on, have some optimism. We're having optimism about this year. We need to have it about 2022. If as you well. think the last two months was fun, uh, the union and the owners, just wait till next off season. Think about it next year. Think about it next year. Oh, all right. So we're embrace, still hopeful. Embrace the experimentation is all I can say. This is a great year to experiment with all yeah. different league types. All right, so check out our friend Dave Schoenfield's fine work. He's writing about the Rays on Tuesday, and who knows what else he'll be writing about later this week. Tristan will be writing. He's updated his rankings. I have new rankings as well, but they're crazy, so you don't want to look at those. That is all. Uh, So our schedule moving forward, obviously we're planning on Monday, Thursday. Later this week on Thursday, no more movies. We're going to try to talk strategy for ESPN drafts a little bit more than we just did on these hash browns. Next Monday, we'll focus on auction draft strategy and then maybe some quick positional previews, seeing about who is left. That is all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening to our little fantasy focus. 
baseball. Please stay healthy. For Tristan, for Kyle, for Dave, for Von Hayes, I am Eric Carabell. Have an awesome week.